As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In today's episode, we will be talking to Trier Bryant about following and leadership. You can find her bio in the description and on our website. Please stay tuned after the guest discussion for skill highlights. So let's kick it off and start with what is leadership to you in your purest self-expression, your calling into it, your waking up into it? Because let's be real, leadership like parenting, like many things, is not all glory and credit and, you know, sit on my shoulder, rise you up. You did a great job, girl. That's not what it is. It's much easier to take a back seat and be like, mm. You know, this isn't happening. So for you, what is the compelling part of leadership? It's giving a shit. Mm. Like, like literally just give a shit and have consideration. I think that we lack so many leaders, I think, talk more than listen and center themselves versus who they're actually caring about. Um When I big, when I build org charts and people see them, it's sometimes confusing for people. They're like, this is your org chart. I don't understand. I go, that's because I'm at the bottom. Mm. I put myself at the bottom of an org chart and then my next layer of leadership so that the most junior inner um, individual contributors are at the top. And I do that on purpose so that even visually, right, there's words, but it's also through action. I want to get all of your senses so that you know that I am here to support you. One of my favorite questions though, when people say, Trayer, what is your day-to-day? What is it like to lead this team, run this team, lead this company? What do you do? And I go, whatever my team needs me to do. Mm. I don't know. Whatever my team needs me to do. And that varies day by day. Um, and I would like to think, and I've gotten feedback though that I empower my team. I teach them how to follow that type of leadership. One of the things that we don't do enough outside of the military and the civilian world is that we don't talk about followership enough. Leadership is so strong in the military because we also teach followership. That means in the military, everyone learns how to be a leader, but everyone also 
learns how to be a follower. And my first team that I had when I left the military, I struggled as a leader. It was, I was like, I don't understand like what's not, what's happening. And I was talking to one of my mentors and he was like, well, it sounds like they don't know how to follow. And I never even realized how important and how impactful it was. And I went and now every team that I get, we do a session on followership and it's the first time that they've heard it, but you have to teach people not only how to lead, but you have to teach people how to follow as well. That is hands down one of the most important things ever. I, I think that is right immediately as far as challenging what we think leadership is. I do think there is from probably films and TV shows and people that have collapsed manipulation with leadership mm. that people see that and go, I want that. I, want, I don't want to be here in the trenches. I want to be over there telling I, people I what the, yes, telling tell people, people what, to, what do, to do, right? Uh, right. Sit, sitting in the big dinners at the big table, and that's where that whole thing, get a seat at the table and lean in and all that. Um, no, no, that's not what it is. And I, it's the same world in like coaching. To be a great coach, one has to be coachable. And we don't invest in it, and we don't give it its narrative. We don't highlight this and say, look at that. That is exceptional. Look at this. That person, you know, put themselves at the bottom of that org chart and here's why. Um, immediately, I'm sure for people, it, it draws up a concern that, oh, if I'm at the bottom, then nobody will respect me. Tell me how you, you work to develop people to be great followers. Um, it's, you have to, again, it is truly about getting to know your people. Mm. And I think that I have, I think it's left brain, right brain. I think I've just had a natural ability to do that. But I think that also comes from wanting to do that for others because I haven't seen people do that to myself. Yeah. And, um, and I haven't received that. And so it's really listening, right? And um, you have to get to know your people and you have to understand when people say, Trier, what type of leader are you? I say, look, there are fundamental traits and characteristics that I have that will always be there. Empathy, um, direct communication, um, li listening, right? Active listening. But when people ask me, what type of leader are you? I say that whatever type of leader I need to be. And I think that's such a beautiful mm. also perspective. It means that I've had the opportunity to be all different types of leaders because I've led all different types of teams in different in different stages that needed different things. And it's also interesting and you see it the most when I was in an organization, I had five different teams, five different distinct teams, and they all needed very different things. And there were some, there were some characteristics or way that I engaged. Like there was one team that was very fun and we had like a text message and jokes and memes and like very funny. And another one of my team was a little bit more mature experience. And they were like, we are so happy. You don't, we don't have this group text message and you don't engage with us like that. Like, right. you know, that, that wouldn't resonate with them. And that was fine. But then there was another team that was like, you always take them to go through things out of the office. Like we want to do that. And I was like, great, we can do that too. Right. Um, and so it's, how do you show up for that? But so it's the same thing. I think how you lead people is very different. And how you teach people followership is very different as well, because not everyone is coming to the table with the same experiences or skill sets or 
you know, their own development of what they need. And so it varies. It varies from, you know, do I need someone to um, include me less? Mm -hmm. Do I need someone to include me more? Do I need someone to, you know, um, I've had to tell a lot of people, Trey, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Right. You know, well, 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 how should we move forward? Well, what do you think? How should we move forward? Right. And then there's other people that'll come in and they'll be like, Trey, this is what we're doing. Pull me back if it's necessary, but this is what we're doing. This is how we're moving forward. Just wanted to let you know. Right. right. Um, and so there's different ways, but how do you pause and listen for that and understand? So again, that you can show up and not only, again, teach people how to follow in the way that they need, but also what they need from you as a leader. Mm, that's so great. One of the things that the development actions that I apply is to really instill in people cause and effect. Mm, I, I think that. that what people forget, and not because they're not being responsible or not being accountable or not effective at what they do or not self-generative, it's none of those things. I think that the way people, again, because there's this leader and follower assumption in the narrative that once they get involved, there's this automatic thing that we as humanity have, which is my one voice doesn't make a difference. My my one thing doesn't make a difference. So I remember like back in the day when I, when I was just focused on developing people in leadership and they would come on late, I would say, you know, would it be the same thing if the president of the company? I mean, everybody would be waiting for things to start and they'd say, well, of course, I mean, they're the president. I was like, yeah, but you're exactly the same. People who, who don't show up have a, that relationship to themselves that what I do doesn't matter because there are other people there. And that to me is the beginning of understanding being a great follower is if you understand cause and effect, if you understand, if you come on a, on a call and you're like, mm-hmm, yeah, and you know, you think I'm having a bad day, so I don't care. You affect the entire energy of that conversation and how people get off that call, what the next action that they take and the whole tone of their day. That is a really big deal. I think people are so wrapped around the doingness, but then they forget we're not human doings, we're human beings. So our primary power is in Oof. the energy that we bring, right? Human doings. Oh, I love that. I love that, Audrey. You know, what's so interesting though, is that like when you say that, what, what, um, what I think about um, one of my favorite books, John C. Maxwell, Failing Forward. And I, there's one thing to tell people that it's another thing to give them the opportunity to experience mm -hmm. that so they can sit with that feeling and then carry that on to have changed behavior. And one of the things that I tell my teams is that I will allow you to fail, but I will only allow you to fail forward. Yeah. So you will fail and it's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm not going to let you blow up your career. I'm not going to let you ruin the client's deliverable. Right. But it's, you might have a moment with the client where they're going to tell you about yourself and it's like, well, what did we learn from that? Right. And now we're going to iterate and come back and circle back. Um, but those are the type of experiences that I think that as leaders, we need to ensure our teams have the opportunity to experience and feel because sometimes I think leaders get confused that a good leader means everything is perfect. Right. My team, my team experiences, nothing negative, no hard feelings, no, no difficulties. That's, that's not the case. Um, a, a strong leader, a capable leader is not 
all sunflowers, you know, and skipping through the grasses. And uh, one of the things that they would say in the military is uh, when I was at the Air Force Academy, they said, when you graduate as a second lieutenant, all of you will be leaders, right? Doesn't matter. That's what, it's, that's what those butter bars mean. What you have the opportunity, though, is to shape what adjective is used before that. Hmm. So that also was like, okay, so that I could be a bad leader. I could be a poor leader. I could be a manipulative leader. Right. I could be an, an, an unimpactful leader, or I could be a compassionate leader, a servant leader. And so that was, I appreciated that because that meant leadership was not a choice, right? right. But it was, what can I do that will give people, you know, their impression, what they need to decide what that adjective is that goes before that. There is a language for dynamics in follow and lead in, in the military. There, and I see it also when someone's trained in the kitchen, that they'll go out and they'll drink and they'll whatever, but the minute they walk in that kitchen and the time hits, they say, yes, chef. No chef. That's right. They all have a small space typically that they're in and they know if I hot plate, they, they understand communication dynamics because of the impact. They understand interaction dynamics. They understand imposed sense of urgency. You can learn mm -hmm. so much in a kitchen. I mean, the military seems much more obvious, right? But there's certain professions yeah. or or participate you know engaged organized participation where you understand those basic fundamentals and if you don't learn that in some way shape or form you really do then for us it, it is it the onus is upon us to then put people in that dynamic where they can feel that cause and effect and I think I love that you said the thing about failing forward um I like to say I don't I, I didn't say this all day. I didn't say it in my 20s. I didn't say this in my 30s. And I didn't say it in the beginning of my 40s. But I definitely say it now, which is, um, and, and I think it was Nelson Mandela that said it, but um, I don't fail. I only learn. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's not that, it's not like some positive message or anything like that. It recontextualized my relationship to my fight or flight state. And not only who, how I'm going to be so that I can still be malleable in those stages where it looks like everything's going wrong, but it also gives me some access because I am inherently by default highly intense. It's actually something that I walk in and I say to people, I, I'm responsible for my being, which is I'll let you all know, yes, I know that I am intense. This thing about me is not all of me. I have many expressions to my humanity. But I, I will that. tell you, when push comes to shove, when I'm communicating a certain way, it will occur for you as potentially aggressive and potentially intense. And I want you to know, I'm still all heart. Intense is the word. <laughs> and, uh, and it's interesting. I, I really appreciate your framing and just kind of managing expectations beforehand. This is who I am, but it's, it's all with love, right? Um, and I do my best. I think I've gotten better as I've progressed in my career, as I've found different ways to articulate that, um, to, to get people that felt more comfortable stepping into my, you know, there's a lot of conversation about stepping into your power. I don't know if it was power for me. And I think it's also because having been an officer when I graduated, there's 
immediately power that you have. So I feel like I've got, I had power very young, but for me, it was stepping into my confidence. It was stepping into my um, expertise that came with time and saying like, oh, actually, I do know this shit. Actually, I am the best person um, to solve these problems and to take these challenges on. But, um, you know, you said something that I've had a lot of conversations with other black and brown women about the sense of responsibility. And I have that. But I think that my sense of, I feel more responsibility to the shoulders that I stood on. And I feel like I continue to stand on from a military perspective mm -hmm. over being a non-white woman. Mm -hmm. I stand on the shoulders of Tuskegee Airmen. I stand on the shoulders mm. of Mar General Marcellite Harris, who was the first black woman general in the Air Force, who was a mentor of mine. Um, I stand on the shoulders of, you know, General Stacey Brown right now, who's the only, uh, Stacey Harris, excuse me, Stacey Harris, who's the only black general in the Air Force right now. And so that is, and what those people have done for me and paying it forward. There's this, there's a con, there, there's this huge responsibility in the military that I have had so much invested in me. So many people have given to me with, with no expectation of anything in return, except to pay it forward. Mm -hmm. And so I think about that. And that's where a lot of my leadership comes from. But the other thing is, it doesn't mean that it, I'm only investing in people that look like us, right? right of course. Um, um, and so I think it's just having that multiplier effect. And I tell people, I am more inclined to invest in you when I know you want to invest in yourself. Right. Right. I'm not, we're not over here trying to save anybody or rescue anybody, right? right? But it's like, it's very clear, right? I, you know, when someone wants to help themselves and do better and you are like, well, then let's do that. Yeah. What, let's do that. What do we need to do? And let's get it done. Um, and I do my best to stay true to that and to hold myself accountable. But yeah, it's, it's hard because um, I think also I'm naturally an introvert and I like my time and I'll kind of be honest with you. Like, I don't really like people, right? But we're in these very, like, open spaces and engaging. And people are like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, like let's do this and that. And I'm just like, I'm good, you know? But anyways. Um, and so having to also balance my energy, who gets my energy, where I put my energy, how I re-energize and fill myself back up. I also have to be very conscious of that. And I'm much more protective of my boundaries in my space um, as I've seen people try to take advantage of it. But what I also see in the civilian world is that in the military, there are people that I probably haven't talked to in 10 years that I could pick up the phone right now right. and say, I need something. They'd be like, I'm on it. And they could call me and know the same thing. But I've actually gotten feedback from people outside of the military where they're like, Trey, you only call me when you need something. That's true. That is absolutely correct. How does that make you feel? I don't like it. Okay, what do you need? Well, I'd like it if you check in with me or talk to me when you don't need something. Audrey, do you know that I have a calendar invite quarterly, biannually, and annually where there are people and it goes off and I go, let me send these emails. Hey, how are you? Checking in. Da -da -da. Don't need anything. Just wanted to see how you were, right? And someone was like, well, then why, why do you do that? Because to me, if that is what a person needs and they can communicate that and it is within, if it's within reason that we can maintain that relationship because it's all about relationships, right? Right. Um, then I'm willing to do that. 
Um, but I had to learn that and ask those questions to get there. Um, because that, again, enables me to be the type of leader that, that I need to be and that I can show up for other folks. Amen. Let's unpack that, okay? <laughs> How are we doing on time? Because I really want to unpack this. This is another perfect example of misconceptions of leadership, that leaders are outgoing people. Number one, not true. It comes in, obviously, we, it not only leadership comes in many shapes, size, and, and, and self-expressions, but we want to, op- I intend, it's, a, it's pure commitment to intend to open the door so that more people can step in and say, oh, I didn't know that I could be any way that I want to be. There's just fundamentally sets of principles and pillars and you know ways that I could develop myself, but in my own self-expression. One is, I think that, and the other is that people tend to get handpicked in groups to lead in departments because they are outspoken they have outspoken. or they've done a good job. Just because you're good at your job doesn't mean you should get a promotion to manage other people. You still need to That's be developed. absolutely right. And this is a real problem I find in startups where you get a lot of engineers that are really great, but they're fundamentally introverts. I'm not saying all of them are, but a lot of you know mathematical and kind of critical thinkers mm-hmm. tend to internally process their solution-based focus in what their job is and what they're doing. And they're also that way socially. It is, I feel this sense of pain for them that no one, there's an assumption there because they're good at their job, that no one is actually taking the time to say, oh, I understand you're great at this. I've put you overseeing a team of six people, but it is painful for you to have to interact with them. And, and maybe they don't want that. Exactly, exactly. So I, I, but I want to pack this, unpack this thing about being an introvert. And I, and I loved so much that you opened the door to this, um, to practices that you started to point to to balance out that you'll set your boundaries and you'll communicate what your needs are, but you'll also listen to other people and what they are. But you still have to check with yourself and say, can I deliver that? Right. Um, I know that when I when I first started leading when I was leading courses and leading in leadership, um, like at the, my early thirties, when I really, really started to get in, it was like large groups of people and I'd have to go lead. And when you finish leading, I'm sure you've had this experience. When you finish leading a, a development training, everybody wants to stand in line and talk to you when it's done. And I remember back then that like, here I am and I've got all this energy and I'm putting this all out and people are like, yeah, okay. Then they get to the end and, the, and a line forms. And every person that I spoke to, and I don't mean this in to, to um, not honor that they were engaged in what they wanted to get, I just mean in, in terms of my own kind of how I'm constituted. Every person, I would be like, how long do I have to talk to you before you leave my presence because I want to get in my car and leave? Really? And by the time, because I had to force myself uncomfortably to have close proximity to people and talk to them, I would go to my car. And I would get in, shut the door. I'd put my head down and I would cry. And just, I would yes. just cry. And there was nothing wrong. Yes. There was nothing. I was so over, I was forced myself to be overfilled with too much of their yep. emotions and energy and needs. And it yep. had to spill out somewhere. And that was my, That's when right. I was doing that every day, that was my practice. And then I started mm-hmm. to understand, hold on a second. I am the queen of my domain. I can't ask for what I need. And I tell my team, 
I'm, I can't communicate with people at the end. When I'm done, I'm walking off. I would say it in my deliberation of, you know, my closing, thank you so much and whatever. And I'd say, this is how you can interact with me. This is what works. I will be walking away as soon as it's done. I totally want to hear from you. But I have got to process what just took place. And that's how I function. It's the same thing I have to tell the team. I just said it before I came on when, um, when someone was going to talk to me. And I said, is this something you should put in my space right now? Because my space is something else. They're like, mm, no. And that's important for me yeah. to say. Because that, that... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. That protects me. And I, I think that's an important thing for the people that are listening, that are listening for skills and wanting to take practices away from this podcast is to say, hey, for all of you introverts, I see you. And you can be the greatest possible leader you can. And it is okay to tell people, you know, okay. from this time to this time, don't email me. Don't ask me for something. On Fridays, I need to yeah, not. Right? Yeah. We on our team, um, last year, following the murder of George Floyd, when my DMs, emails, and phone were just ringing off the hook of organizations, leaders, just, you know, needing inclusion, equity, diversity, just had no idea how to navigate this. And um, we got burned out. Sure. So at the beginning of this year, you know, someone on my team said, so Trier, how are we not going to get burnt out? And so we implemented recharge days and recharge weeks. So every other Friday, our office is closed, no social, no emails, no meetings, no nothing. And I have to lead by example, because if I send one email, then someone else will send one email. So um, tomorrow is a recharge day. We do no work. And then one week, a quarter, office is closed and we do no work. And we tell our clients, right, when we're scheduling things, by the way, that's a recharge week. We're very, you know, and people are like, that's a lot of time. And oh, by the way, in Q4, our recharge week does not just, oh, it's like the holiday, right? Like holiday is your time with your family as you should. And there's something right. different for like recharge. And it has been incredible mm. to have that time to just recharge, right? Recenter. Now that I typically work on the weekends, right? So that means like, I, I know that I'll be working on Saturday or something, but it's fine. But like tomorrow I'm not working. I'm not doing anything. I'm not going to get wound up by things going on, even in the industry or space that I work in. And I'm going to clean my house and I'm going to organize my closet and, um, and take myself out to dinner and do whatever. But I think it's important, like, what do you need and how do you set those boundaries? But going back to your point about when you get off stage, I feel the exact same way. And I told someone that just also lets you know that I gave you my all on stage. Mm. You know, sometimes you'll see a speaker and you'll just be like, mm, 
yeah, the message was fine. I'm listening to the words, but like the, like, you know, like I didn't really feel like I got anything. You're never going to hear, you're never going to leave one of my speaking engagements, a keynote or something and be like, Trier didn't give it her all. Right. right. So I'm giving it all. So that means that when I'm done, like I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> right. And if we do need to engage, if it's like, Hey, people want to connect with you afterwards. Can we do it in 30 minutes? Right. Can we do like a meet and greet 30 minutes after or whatever? I actually don't like meet and greets before because of that reason, Right. because I do want to engage folks. And then I'm giving a little bit away where I could give that at the keynote to the entire audience. But knowing what that is communicating at my team knows that like we can't we can, I can't do two keynotes in a day. And I also there's certain type of engagements with clients. Um, I coaching Whew. some of our one on one where we do one on one coaching. Um, I have some really tough clients where we're coaching on some really difficult issues. It's really hard to come out of that as well, right? Into something else that's going to take that energy and take that from you. And we just have to listen to that and be mindful. Um, But it doesn't take away of being a less impactful or, or weak or anything like that as a leader. Yeah, completely. What didn't I ask you about leadership that you think is really important what Beyonce has taught me about leadership. Ah, do tell. Yeah. You don't find a lot of people that used to work for Beyonce. Hmm. And I don't think that that's just because, oh, it's Beyonce, because there's a lot of people that are like, have that type of celebrity or on that level, but like they rotate through people and they rotate, they rotate through teams. And I think it says something that like, you just don't find a lot of people who used to work for Beyonce because she, and it's not even like Beyonce goes and finds, I think Ashley, one of her, now like, you know, her lead dancers is a great example about where she was in her career. It's not like Beyonce went and just found the best of the best of the best. She went and found people that wanted to grow, wanted to learn that she saw that potential and she gave them that space and opportunity to to be them their best selves. And when you as a leader get that, like people are going to hang on for you. Like people want to be in your orbit. I have people that are like, Trier, when you're ready to have this role, I'm waiting for your company to get to this size, to have that role, because I am coming to work for you, mm. right? And so I, I, I want to be that type of leader where people want to be in my orbit constantly, whether I may have the opportunity or not, but we'll find other ways. Um, I had someone who used to work for me a couple of years ago, email me the, or she called me the other day and she was just like, I need help setting my goals for the quarter and for the, for next year. And she was like, cause I asked my manager and she was like, well, I don't know what should they be. <laughs> and I was like, and she was like, can you just fill the gap of what my manager should be doing? Right. And it's like um, a lot of folks that used to work for me, they say, um, I will forever have a dotted line to you, Trier. Mm-hmm. Now, that's also reciprocated that I have people that forever dotted line means like if you're good at something. I broke I broke this spreadsheet. Tanner, can you please jump in here and fix it? Right. Um, and so though, I think it, it's reciprocated. though. It's reciprocated that people know that I'm always going to be there. But they also know that if that, that forever dotted line means that, like, you have a talent, a skill set, and I'm going to forever leverage that as well. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I mirror that. That's, again, something that we see in the media and the the narrative. And I I will say 
uh, not that I want to make things about, you know, the divisive nature of how we look and what have you, but I, it, it pains me for, for the next generation of people to see the narrative of when you get power, you throw things across the room, you yell at people. We see that so much in shows, but especially for those of us who, you know, are women or people of color who it's really a big deal to get certain kind of positions in a corporation like please don't follow that because it's not true it's really not true you honor you it's it's not to say that there aren't things again from two intense beings talking to each other right now it's not that all of a sudden everything's just love and hugs and that's definitely not the way that i lead if i really do feel that i have been curt or 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 inappropriate in anything i will correct myself. I will apologize to my team. I will share, I will share my experience in that moment of what triggered me or where I was at or where I feel that, you know, everything's on me and where they're not looking at things. And I will completely hear them out so that we come to some sense of expansion. But for everyone that I learned from, um, and I loved hearing that about Beyonce because working with Larry Ellison, the, the founder of Oracle, and working with around George Lucas's producing partner at Lucasfilm, every single one of them either showed me or taught me that they had the same accountant for like the last 30-something years. They had the same, That's and right. it's a small team. By the way, powerful people have a very small team that they rely right. on. And those people are, are there just as long as they're willing to be humble accountable and and truly in communication uh, and i'm yeah. i'm blown away by being let in that inner circle and seeing the truth seeing that that's right cuz that yeah. is the truth what we see in the media yeah. or these kind of you know halfway leaders this is that's not the truth that's, that's not the way you 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 really really rise up something and have a tremendous impact right and we need to also just get comfortable and also acknowledge that everyone doesn't need to deal with power in the same way. Exactly. There are some people that need to divest. There are some people that need to step out of it and allow others and, and, and give that power. But there are other, I'm speaking to you, black women, non-white women, to step into your power and take that power. Because when people are like, power is bad, power corrupts, you usually hear that from white people who have had power and misused it. But what I do with power is positive. And it has positive impact and positive influence and positive change. So let's not get confused that we all need to just say, oh, well, power is corrupt anytime someone gets it, right? Because there are those of us that need to be in positions of power and what they will do with that power, right? In not all instances is power corrupt, but when I hear that, I'm just like, mm, it really depends. It depends on the context and who has it. Um, and I just think that we need to be more thoughtful um, with that narrative and that conversation. A hundred percent. And I think that's another thing where money's collapsed in it too. Money is a thing. You bring energy to it. <laughs> the money inherently has no energy. Same thing with power. Power is a title. It's what you bring to the party. And, and again, we're going to make mistakes we're constantly. That's and that's where you just be accountable, you be responsible, you honor and, and have gratitude towards the listening that people grant you. I mean, that's the thing I'm most present to. When someone grants me their listening to honor the direction that I'm giving and to give me that trust in that interaction, mm-hmm. I'm grateful. I might be tough on certain situations. Some might be loving or whatever it is. But there's never a moment at this point in my maturity where I am not grateful and I understand that they didn't have to give me their listening. That's right. At all. Yeah. And the power of, of momentum comes from granting 
me and others on the team, the listening that, yes, let's do this. Yes, I trust you to have yeah. my back. Yes, I will be in communication when something feels off. All of that is an honor to be part of. An honor. That's right. And the other thing about listening is I think that leaders also can learn so much from those underneath them mm -hmm. or mentors can learn from their mentees. I have some mentees that I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, you have given me way more than I've given you and lessons and things, right? I have one mentee. She's so, she's so funny because she knows that I'm busy in this and that. So what she does is pre-COVID, um, she would find a three-day weekend and she would always find one three-day weekend a year. And she would come wherever I was. She was like, wherever you are, I will come there. And she would come with a list of questions. Mm. Like questions that she had, like, like she keeps it. And she would come with like 120 questions. And some questions were quick and some we would have a whole dinner over, right? But to be, and she said, you don't know. She was like, I would rather, the fact that I get to be in your space for like two days, three days completely. She was like, I would rather have that than like a monthly phone call or whatever, whatever, right? And one of the things that she taught me, because I think questions are very powerful, and she had, she really has me thinking differently about questions, is that there are questions that we ask that I think just hold, that hold no value anymore and that people just kind of fly by. So for example, like, Audrey, how are you? I'm fine. Like, how oh. are you? Like, how are you? Literally hold no value right. whatsoever anymore, right? Yeah. And so instead, when I really want to know, I'll say, Audrey, how's your spirit? Mm. How's your spirit today? Right? And I remember like the first time she asked me that, I was like, how do you just breathe by that? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's fine. How's your spirit? Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it's just like, it's a different framing of questions. There's just so many questions that we just have devalued that just hold no, no weight. And how do we reframe it so we can actually have that conversation and dialogue um, with people to, to have, to have a deeper, to have a deeper understanding of what's going on. I think particularly now with all the things going on, um, we need more of those real conversations with folk, especially for the ones that, you know, I always tell people check in on your strong friends, right? Check in on your strong friends. Cause those are the ones that, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's perfect. I just want to take that to uh, opportunity right there since you highlighted contextually so wonderfully to interject another um, skill. So one is that's so perfect about asking people in terms of what is, how is your spirit? You know, where are you? What, what are you present to in terms of your purpose? I mean, there's so many ways that people in their own self-expression as leaders can frame that kind of question. The second thing, I just want to piggyback off of what you said to interject in terms of a, um, a practice is when I have my, when my team comes to me to communicate something, especially if they're frustrated. So they'll just come and be like, I got to tell you something, whatever. And I always say, hold on one second. How do you want me to listen? That's right. And that's, that's a right. really important thing because people will come how they're at and you're going to assume as a leader that, oh, they want advice or they want you to handle something. You don't know what they need. That's right. You ask them that's because right. talk about spirits. We know in our inner spirits what we need. The beauty of the dialogue and the dynamic between our sisters and our brothers and our co and all of this dynamic that we have is to have that reflection back to us so that we can have perspective. So when I say, hold on one second, how do you want me to listen? And they'll be like, you know, when they don't know me, they'll be like, what do you mean? And the ones that know me, no. But, um, and I'll say, do you want me to just get what happened and listen and empathize with what you went through? 
Do you want me to give you some coaching? Do you want some direction? Just check in with yourself. How do you want me to listen to what you're about to tell me? And they'll be like, huh. And because most people haven't thought about how their communication is going to be received because most of the time people are not heard. So to have them have the power and be like, you know what? I just want you to get my world so I can just unload. Great. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to get it. And, at the and just listen. Yeah. Right. Wow, yeah. I got that. That sounds really rough, right? That's a big I had that happen this morning. Oh. It is such, and it makes such a difference. I had that this morning. Someone called me and they, like you said, they were about to, they start jumping into it. And I said, no, wait. They said, is this a, you just need me to listen? Or do you want to discuss after mm-hmm. this? Do you want me to give you my, like, do you want me to help problem solve? And they were like, I just need you to listen. Great. So after they went on for about an hour and I listened, I said, okay, are I said, are, are you done? And they were like, yes. And I said, okay, I just want to tell you from a place of love, this was really hard for me to hear. So I'm going to go ahead and end the call now because I'm not going to be able to stay on the phone much longer with you without telling you how I feel about the situation and the person that puts you in this situation, right? right? I said, when you're ready for my thoughts, just know that I have them, right? And they were like, I'm not, but I know you do. And they're like, and I appreciate that. And then we got off the phone because they didn't need me to hear. They didn't need to hear in that moment. F them. They're stupid. I can like, like get rid of them and they shouldn't be in your life, right? They just needed to vent. And we gave them that space. But then I also told them, now I need to get off the phone because I love you too much, or I just want to tell you, I want to go solve this for you. Mm-hmm. But I listen. And when you're ready to continue this on a different type of a conversation, you know, I'm here to reconnect. Oh, I love that. May I leave you with one, the, you know, the piece of advice that I feel has had one of the biggest impacts Please. in my career. Um, when I was in the military, um, there was a white general who said, Trier, um, I'm going to mentor you and I'm going to sponsor you. And we all should know the difference. And they said, but I'm also going to mentor you as if you were a white man, mm. because that is who you have to compete against in the air force. Brilliant. And I asked him to explain that because at the time I didn't get it. And he said, people will give you advice and mentor you and they will see your identities and how you identify and that will filter what they say. So they're going to be like, oh, well, I would say this, but you're a woman, so you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Or you're black, so you can't do that. Or you're a black woman, so you can't do that. And he said, so I'm just going to tell you exactly what I tell all the other white men so you know what they're about to do and you can compete. And so what I took from that is in every assignment, every, everywhere I went, every new job, every industry. And even now today, I still go and I find that white man and I go, I need you to mentor me the way that you would mentor other white men. And most of them have never heard that, but it actually gives them an opportunity and a growth opportunity for them to check their own bias. And then they go, okay, I get it. And I can do that. And they're appreciative of that opportunity to check their bias and like a lesson learned. And it is incredible how then they can break down and say, this is what I would have told a white man, but because we have this relationship, I'm going to tell you what I would tell them, but I'm also going to tell you that this is probably what other people have told you because you're a woman. And usually they are spot on. Wow. That is gold. That is gold. That is gold. I hope you're going around saying that to every person in every company because you just made me realize that and now I, it, I was, I'm so present to it as you were saying that. I just had this epiphany that 
because I've said a lot of times that with my mentors who have happened to just be all white males because, you know, they're, they're in the position that they're in, but, um, I never was present to being a woman and I never was present to what I, what I looked like, period. I never was present to, I was present to the, the, the task, the North star, the challenge, the growth, the, all of those things. I, I went away thinking about that. They sent me away challenging me. My, my whole relationship to having a mentor is whatever you give me, I will exceed except expectations. You give me assignments, I'm going to do three times that assignment and bring it back because I want your time to be, to be received as worth worthy of what you wanted to give me. And, and that's, I would definitely say that's why I've been so effective with the mentors that I've had and have gone on to have bigger and bigger ones. But I've never had a conversation with any of them about being a woman. I've never asked. I never, they never engaged me. Uh, and now I can see without them saying it, they, they related to me as what I was up to and not what I look like. I mean, I don't know what they went through internally because <laughs> we didn't discuss it, but I never felt I was treated any different. I am so grateful to meet you. You too. You as well. I love this. This has been so wonderful. You can't be a great leader if you don't know how to be a great follower. Why is that so important? Well, three key things. One is that it creates empathy. When you're actually within your team that you lead and you put yourself in a position to occasionally follow, what you will find is that you're putting yourself in their shoes. Now you know what those meetings feel like. Now you know how work process feels like from their viewpoint. And that allows you to take those insights to better improve your own structure and, and practices as well as the way that you're communicating with the team. Number two is it supports humility. When you're allowing yourself as a leader of your team or your company to learn all the time from your employees or freelancers, it keeps you in this ever space of wonder and discovery. You'll see new things. You'll learn new things about them. It also really helps with your own biases. A lot of times we get into this practice of we see leaders as other people who demonstrate our favorite skills like that we have. And you should start to see leaders in everyone in every voice, in every type, in every body, in every color, in every background. And this challenges you to do that. Number three is building a culture of self-generative team members. If you have a culture as a leader of lead, I lead, you follow only, then what you're going to do is you're going to build a culture of people who are waiting for you to tell them what to do. And the problem with that is that's kind of only a small portion of what you really want to happen in growth. Having a bunch of people who just do what you tell them to is sort of like an incremental way to progress your business or your projects. But having self-generative people, people who see in the gaps, who come up with innovative ideas or more creative ways to do things, now you're talking about growth and scalability. So in order to be that kind of real grower of, of of um, revenue and projects and verticals and all of it. You got to be somebody who can build a culture of self-generative people. 
So that's three ways, empathy, humility, and generativeness that allows you to put yourself in that continuous following place to be open-minded and listen to people. And that's a great practice to take on. So as always, please comment on our social media or on our blog episode. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.